I'm Pastor Brian, one of the teaching pastors here, and I know that you just saw me a couple weeks ago, but I'm here because in the second service we're baptizing, uh, those of you that know Kevin and Jocelyn Dooley and their son Matthew, uh, many of you know them, they, they are longtime Alpiners here at the Layton Campus, they moved to Washington, D.C., um, but Matthew wants to get baptized, so he's back here so that they can get baptized here, because there's not a church like ours back in Washington, D.C., if you can believe, actually, it's because of the COVID thing. They haven't been able to connect as well. So they were back here, and they said, hey, we'd love to get baptized. So we're doing that in the second service. And because they're such good friends of mine, I, I, I pulled some strings, and I got, I got back here. So, so you're stuck with me again. But we're in, we're in week three of our series that we're calling Breakthrough Disciplines. And what we're doing in this five-week series is we're looking at the ancient secret of what Jesus called life to the full. So Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief has come to steal and to kill and to destroy. But he said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Another translation says, I, I have come that you might have a rich and satisfying life. And many, we're, we all want a rich and satisfying life. And so we're talking about in this series, what is, what is my part in that? We talked about this idea of the vine and the branches, that Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, and unless you remain in me, you can't bear fruit. You can't have this full life that Jesus wants to offer you. So many people want this full life, but they don't really know what their part in it is. So your part in it, and this is something that Tracy and I are trying to teach our kids, 17 and 20 years old, we're trying to teach them their part in life to the full. Young people, this is a great series for you because we're talking about spiritual disciplines and spiritual disciplines are those things that we that allow us to connect into the vine. So when we engage in these spiritual disciplines, things like prayer, we talked about that last week, and Bible study, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks, and some of the pacing disciplines like slowing down and being silent, we'll talk about that next week. And today, we're going to talk about the spiritual discipline of fasting. We're going to talk about fasting for breakthrough. This is the sermon nobody wanted to come to. Because <laughs> who wants to talk about fasting, right? At, whenever we go on, on uh, retreat, pastoral retreats, they don't put me in charge of the food, the pastoral team, because they know that I'll just be like, let's just fast. We're going to fast on this pastoral retreat. We're going we're gonna, to you know, play, play cards and, and golf and have a great time, but we're going to fast the whole time. So they're like, Brian, you're not in charge of, uh, of the food for this. And so we're going to talk today about fasting. I, 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 this is probably not biblical, but I wonder, just by a show of hands, how many of you have ever fasted before? How many of you have ever gone on a fast just by a show of hands? That's good. Many people are raising their hands. I have too, and we're going to talk about this spiritual discipline of fasting. I'm excited about my kids hearing this sermon. I want them to hear it. I want them to learn about this because we've taught them and modeled for them prayer. We've taught and modeled for them Bible study. So these are two spiritual disciplines that our kids have at work in their lives. But I really want my kids, and I want you to, I want you to learn about fasting, and we're going to challenge you. In fact, we're going to invite you to fast uh, this Wednesday. So we're going to get into that. I'll give you more information about that. But here's the big idea of this whole series. If you're looking for breakthrough in your everyday life with your thoughts, with your emotions, with your habits, don't just try harder in the moment of crisis. You actually have to train yourself on the spiritual disciplines. And today we'll talk about fasting. 
It's not just about, okay, here, I'm being tempted. I, you know, I've got my phone, and young, young people, maybe you can relate to this. I've got my phone, and I, I don't want to look at that image. I don't want to look at that picture. I don't want to go down that rabbit trail. But you just can't help yourself. Then you feel bad about it afterward. And maybe you're talking to your parents, or you're talking to a mentor, a friend, or your youth pastor, or a youth leader, and you're saying, why do I keep doing that? I really am trying hard to not do that. Or for those of you who struggle with anxiety, and you, and you have anxiety in this moment, maybe you have just this dull anxiety just every day of your life, and you're saying, God, why won't you take away this anxiety? I don't, wh- why is it that I feel this? I want peace. I want hope. I want joy. I want life to the full. Why do I have anxiety in my life? And so whenever it comes up, you try really hard to, to combat that anxiety because you don't want it anymore, and Jesus doesn't want you to have it anymore. But I want you to know, for many of you, you've never tried the spiritual disciplines. And this is the point. It's not about trying hard in the moment. The image that we used a couple weeks ago is a, is a star basketball player who takes that, that 40-foot three-pointer and he, he's making you know, eight out of 10 of them. And you're like, man, he's so good. He's so lucky that he's that blessed. He's that gifted. No, he works on that every day of his life in the gym. And so all the training in the gym that he puts in His whole life, since he was in junior high probably, all the training that he puts into the gym is what allows him to perform in that moment on the floor when the whole world's watching. And this is is the metaphor we're using in this series is if you would train yourself on the spiritual disciplines, here's the guarantee we have from God's word. If you would train yourself on the spiritual disciplines, Jesus did this, Paul did this, Peter did this. The followers of Christ of of old 2,000 years ago, and since then, over these last 2,000 years, Christians have done this for centuries, for millennia, but it seems like in America, we live in this culture where we just want this easy believism. We just want this, I want it now, and I should have it right now, because that's how everything else works in our lives, but that's not how it works with breakthrough. As you connect to the vine, Over time, that will pay dividends and you'll have breakthrough in your life with that anxiety, with that temptation. This is what I'm trying to teach my son, AJ. Far be it from me to try to tell him that AJ just needs to try harder when he's tempted. He's a typical high school boy, right? So he has temptation just like I did when I was a high school boy, just like I do still today. The difference is I've been practicing the spiritual disciplines. I've been connecting to the vine since I was a young, a young man in, in Christ. And all those years of doing that has given me, I feel like has given me breakthrough in my life where I don't struggle with some of the things that other men my age struggle with. So young people, old people, everyone in between, I really challenge you to make a commitment to practicing these spiritual disciplines, not just for a week, not just for a day, not just for a couple of months, not just for this year, but make a commitment to practicing these spiritual disciplines as just a regular part of your walk with Christ, and you will experience breakthrough in your life. I really believe that, and Scripture says that all over the place. Here's our text for today, Mark chapter 9, verses 17 and 18. If you have a Bible or Bible app, I encourage you to open up here. We're going to just look at a couple of these verses here, but I really encourage you to check up on what I'm about to share with you today, because there's a lot of richness in this passage. A guy, a father comes to Jesus, and he says this, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. And then he foams at the mouth, and he grinds his teeth, and he becomes rigid. 
So the dad says this, I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Now this is a guy who's desperate. This is a guy who wants breakthrough, not just for his own life. More importantly, this, this creates way more desperation than if it's something you're asking for yourself. Every parent knows that. He is desperate for his kid. Man, I remember when, my, when, when Kenzie first needed her first stitches. I remember she was about three or four years old, and Kenzie, Tracy and I were sitting there at, with the doctor watching him strap her down onto the table and stitch her up. And she looked at us like, what are you letting this person do to me? A screaming. It was, it was one of the most emotionally difficult moments of my life up to that point in my life. It's crazy. So any of you parents who've seen your kids go through something difficult, you understand the desperation that this father is experiencing. And so he comes to these disciples of Jesus. Jesus wasn't there at the moment. Again, I encourage you to read it for yourself, the full context. But they couldn't cast out the evil spirit. Here's what's crazy about it. Just a little bit earlier, Jesus had given them authority to cast out evil spirits. Jesus himself sent them out to cast out evil spirits, and they couldn't do it. And so again, you can read this for yourself. I'll, we'll come back to it a little bit here at the end. But Jesus ends up casting out this evil spirit, casting out this demon from this boy. And then later on, as we, as we thumb down to verse 28, Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, and here's what they said. Why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? You gave us authority to cast out evil spirits. They had already done it. If you read some of the other intervening verses there in, that chapter, in those chapters between Mark, I think it's Mark 6 when Jesus first gives them authority, and Mark 9 now, they'd already done it. They'd already had some success at it. They'd cast out some evil spirits already. They're feeling pretty good about themselves. It's like, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus replied with this. This kind can be cast out only by prayer and fasting. And here's the point. Fasting can unlock breakthroughs in the spiritual realm that will never happen in any other way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read that again because I think this is important. For some of you who are struggling with a sin, with, a, with an emotional thing, with a relational thing, you're struggling with something that you've been struggling with for years and maybe you're here today saying, I want breakthrough. I need breakthrough in this area of my life. I've struggled with this for years. I need breakthrough. I want you to hear this again. Fasting can unlock breakthroughs in the spiritual realm that will never happen in any other way. I don't know why. It's just the lesson we learn in this passage. This is what Jesus said. When you fast, you reaffirm your dependence on God's power, not on your own. I think these disciples who had been given authority to cast out demons, at, by chapter nine were probably walking around having had some success in casting demons out and they come up to this next situation like, oh yeah, we got this. <laughs> I know exactly how this works. I just did it last week. We just, you know, throw a little bit of Jesus in here, throw a little bit of God the Father in here. We throw a little Holy Spirit in here, a little bit of, maybe a little bit of mud in the eye. I don't know. You know, like we, I've seen Jesus do this kind of stuff before. And poof, there it is. That should work. So they pray over this guy. It didn't work. I'm sure, they, I'm sure they're like, hey, everybody, come on, let's gather around. They laid hands on him. They prayed on him. It didn't work. 
The disciples couldn't do it and they were dumbfounded. I believe the reason is because they had gotten to the point in their young faith where they thought it was somehow about their power. It was about their intention. It was about their words. It was about their authority. Maybe even they thought it was about their spiritual disciplines. Somehow I think these disciples got to the point where they were disconnecting, to use this metaphor, they were disconnecting that, that activity, having the authority to cast out demons, they were disconnecting it from the vine. It had been a few chapters since they were with Jesus. They were out there on their own doing their own stuff, and it's so easy for us in our lives, especially as followers of Jesus, to get out there on our own power on our own authority. We have a little bit of success here. We have a little bit of success there. And pretty soon we feel like our success is because we're good people. We feel like our success, our victories, maybe some of the breakthroughs we've had in our lives, we feel like that, hey, I've done this before and it's because I'm a good person. It's because Jesus loves me. It's because I have this kind of authority in my life. I have this relationship with God in my life. And we start to, I, I think we kind of start to wander off a little bit from dependence, utter dependence on God's power. And I want you to know that even Jesus needed to connect into the God the Father. And if even Jesus needed to connect into God the Father, even Jesus fasted. If even Jesus had to connect into God the Father, God the Father for his power, how much more do we need it? Because we aren't God. So for those of you who really want breakthrough in your life, if you've never tried fasting, I'm going to challenge you to fast. So what is fasting? Some of you are like, could we define this thing? What is fasting? Here it is. Here's my definition. Fasting is voluntarily depriving yourself of food or drink, and parenthetically, I'm going to say, or some other good thing. Now, biblically, it's food or drink. Every time we read about fasting in the Bible, it's always fasting, food or drink. But I think the principle can apply to any good thing. Food is good. Food is from God. He wants us to have food. It's important for us. Drink is good. It's from God. He wants us to have it. It's important for us. We need it for our bodies. So those things are good things. They're not bad things. Fasting isn't giving up a sin. That's just stopping, to sin, stopping from sinning. Fasting is giving up a good thing for a better thing. It's like one of our, val one of our core values. We give up things we love for things we love even more. That's what fasting is. Fasting is giving up a good thing for a period of time, depriving yourself of that good thing in order to focus on God. So you can fast food. You can fast drink. You can fast, I believe, you can fast social media. In fact, that's one of the things I'm going to challenge young people to do is fast from social media. You can, a, a young man that I'm discipling right now has been fasting from social media since the beginning of the year. He said it's creating incredible breakthrough in his life. He loves it. It's awesome. He might not even go back to it. Donald Trump is fasting social media at the moment. <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. It just dawned on me that, yeah, he's fasting from social media too. But fasting, fasting is when you give it up because you want to give it up, not because somebody's making you give it up. And it's so that you can focus on God. You can fast alone. You can fast in a group. 
You can fast in a crisis or you can fast in preparation for something. So let's take a look at some scripture, just a few scriptures, but there's so much more on this. If you want to dig more into it at PursueGod.org, you can find more about fasting in there. But let's just give a few examples of some of these types of fasts that we have in scripture. 2 Chronicles 20, verses 1 through 3. After this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Mosquito Bites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, he was the the king at that time in Judah. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. Okay, so Judah is this small nation, God's people in the Old Testament, and they've got all these other armies coming up against them. So you want to talk about desperate, right? They're desperate. Jehoshaphat is terrified by this news that these armies are coming up against him. And so he begged the Lord for guidance. And it says he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. Notice it says he ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So here's an example of a corporate fast. A nation declares, the the leader of a nation declares, I want everyone to fast We're going to seek God for deliverance from this thing. We need breakthrough in this area. And by the way, you can read the rest of this and you'll see that it worked. This corporate fast worked. God God responded in grace. He delivered them from those armies. This is what we're going to do on Wednesday of this week. On Wednesday of this week, we're going to invite you. We're We're declaring, I don't think we've ever done this at Alpine Church in 20 years. We're declaring a corporate fast. So we're inviting you. We're not making you. We can't make you. But we're inviting you, if you're a follower of Jesus, and if you call Alpine your home church, we're just inviting you to fast with us this Wednesday. Now, this Wednesday is Inauguration Day, but it's not just about that. That's one of the things we're going to pray for. We're going to pray for our nation, of course. But we also just want to pray for God's work at Alpine. We want to pray for what God's going to do in 2021 at Alpine Church. So we're going to invite you to fast on Wednesday. Now, how, how can you fast however you want to? Maybe families, maybe couples are going to come together and say, hey, let's fast breakfast. Or let's fast breakfast and lunch together, and then maybe you break the fast at dinner. It's up to you. Some of you might say, I'm going to fast the entire day. I'm not going to eat the entire day. That's up to you. That's something I encourage you to think about and pray about. But what, one thing we know is we would love for you, if you call yourself an Alpiner, we'd love for you to join us. There's a, on, the, on the Leighton page, there's a little link there that, that encourages you on some things to be praying for on Wednesday as we do this together. So we want to invite everybody to fast and to pray for our nation, to pray for our church, and to pray for our mission as a church as we help people pursue God. Some of you might say, medically, I can't fast. Um, So you're going to give up social media or you're going to give up Netflix. That's a great thing to fast. Fast Netflix. We're going to do that among all of our other fasting on Wednesday as well. But I encourage you to, in one way or another, to participate with us. How awesome it will be to have Alpiners at all of our campuses fasting together on Wednesday. We're going to do that. We're going to see how God, uh, God works in our lives. So that's an example of a corporate fast. Here's another example. Matthew 4, 1 and 2. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted. And became very hungry. (laughs) I love that. I love that passage. I'm like, really? Huh. Jesus became really hungry at that point. Actually, it's really insightful. Do you know that your 
when, if you were to fast for a couple of days, any of you have tried to fast for a couple of days, you actually feel like you're hungry. You're not medically hungry yet. Your body is fine for weeks without food. It's actually okay. Real, true hunger doesn't, doesn't set in until about 30 or 40 days. That's when true hunger sets in. Any of you who have ever fasted for a long period of time, you'll know that those first few days are the hardest because you're having cravings, by the way. You're not experiencing true hunger. You're experiencing cravings. You're just used, you're used to having eaten something by then. And that's one of the, benef- I think one of the benefits of fasting is it gives you so much insight into your body, so much insight into the way you think, so much insight into what you think you need when you fast. So if you've never fasted, you've never been given that insight before. But the point here is that Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights on his own. He was by himself in the wilderness. He was being tempted by the devil. We're actually going to come back to this in week five of our series when we talk about scripture. But the point is he did it in preparation for beginning his ministry. This was a fast that he did as he prepared for beginning his ministry. When I, when Tracy and I planted Alpine Church over 20 years ago, I actually spent several days fasting and praying before we even started our ministry. And I did it because that's what Jesus did. Some of you maybe need to fast as you're considering a job change. Some of you need to fast in preparation. Some of you maybe feel called into ministry. Some of you are starting to disciple And it would be an awesome idea for you to fast before you start mentoring someone and discipling someone. So this is what Jesus did, and I think that's a great reason for us to do it as well, that we fast in preparation for something that God has on the horizon for us. And one more example, Acts 14, 23. The early church, Paul and Barnabas, appointed elders in every church, and with prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So they prayed and fasted. Here Paul and Barnabas are going around planting campuses, kind of like what we do at Alpine, planting campuses. As we continue to plant campuses, we're going to fast. I I intend to fast. Our staff intends to fast before we break ground in Syracuse and before we go to the next campus that we end up planting as a church. This is stuff that, that the leadership of the church should take seriously. This is what the early church did. They took it seriously. They prayed and fasted. They, they sought direction from God before, before they put these elders into ministry and into leadership. So again, this is a, an example of corporate fast for preparation. So we had a corporate fast in crisis, Chronicles. We had a personal private fast in preparation. And here we have a corporate fast in preparation. And all those things are legitimate reasons to fast. And again, I encourage you to join us on Wednesday as we fast together corporately, really kind of for both reasons, for for a crisis moment as we pray for our nation and also as preparation as we pray as a church for what God is gonna do through us in 2021. One last thing, and this is important. Fasting is a faith-building exercise I think you'll learn that if you've ever fasted, you'll know it is a faith-building exercise because it's about releasing control to God and it's not about obligating him to give us breakthrough on our own terms. When you fast, you realize how much control that thing had over you. I wanna say that again. When you fast, when you fast from food, 
you realize how much control food had over you. When you fast young people from social media, you will realize how much control social media had over you. When you fast old people, when you fast from Netflix, you will realize how much control Netflix had over you. When you give something up, it allows you to look in the mirror and say, wow, I didn't realize how much I needed that thing. I didn't realize how much I depended on that thing. So when you fast, what, what it does is it, it builds that faith muscle, you, your faith in God, your trusting in God as you release control to God. You're saying to God, I don't need this thing anymore. And God is saying to you, prove it. I, I've got, there are a lot of men in my life that I've challenged them to give up alcohol. And I can tell by their response to that how much control alcohol has over their lives. The guys who say, no problem, I'll give it up. And they give it up, that's great. Then that thing doesn't have control over your life. Don't let anything have control over your life, alcohol especially. But those people who say, no, I don't know, they, they, they make excuses and they defend it, and they oh, I give it up anytime I want to. Then I want to say, then do it. Then do it. And give it up. Prove it. Show me that that thing doesn't have control over you. And this is what we do in part when we fast. I love this quote from Richard Foster, Celebration of Discipline. He says, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. And that's why I encourage you to release those things, to practice the spiritual discipline of fasting. And I, and I want to let you know, because I've fasted in my life, I continue to fast. It's just a normal thing that I do in my spirit. It's one of my spiritual disciplines that I do on a fairly regular basis. And I want to encourage you, if you've never done it with food before, your mind will be playing games with you. <laughs> right? Some of you, if you've done it before, you'll know. You'll be like, oh, come on, this is legalistic. You know, this is really legalist. I don't really need to be fasting. This is legalism. And your mind starts playing games with you the longer you do it. And I want to challenge you, though, do it. Grow your faith. Build your faith. Step out of the norm and, and add fasting to your list of spiritual disciplines that you do. Don't do it because you want to obligate God to you. I want to make sure you understand that. It's not about obligating God to you. It's not about fasting and saying, God, you owe me now. You owe me because I fasted. Now you really should give this breakthrough to me. It's not about that. It's about what God will do in and through you as you release control to him and you say, God, I'm submitted to you. You're God and I'm not. And this is just further proof of that. This is what fasting is. I want to go back to that story of Mark chapter 4, or Mark chapter 9, and look at that one more time. I, I, I skipped over this passage on purpose because I wanted to bring it in at, at the end here today. So, so in between the time when the father asks Jesus to heal his son because the disciples couldn't, and when Jesus actually does it, this is the conversation that they had before Jesus healed the son. Jesus said, how long has this been happening, the whole demon possession thing? And the father replied, since he was a little boy. I mean, it just breaks my heart to read that. Could you imagine a dad seeing this, this son going through this stuff since he was a little boy? This was something he needed breakthrough for years. He says the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. And then the father said this, have mercy on us and help us if you can. And look at what Jesus' response is. 
He says, what do you mean if I can? And I don't want you to take that the wrong way. I think Jesus genuinely was saying, what do you, what do you mean if I can? In other words, do you think I can? Do you believe that I can? And then Jesus makes this statement, which I think relates to fasting. He says this, anything is possible if a person believes. Anything is possible if a person believes. Obviously, Jesus' faith was stronger than his disciples' faith. Obviously. And this is why Jesus was the only one who could cast out the demon. Because his disciples were still building their faith. They were still building that faith muscle in their life. So they could, yeah, they could cast out demons in the, in the ordinary average demon casting out situation, right? So their faith was better than ours. But they couldn't cast this demon out because of their faith. Because they, they still needed to build that faith muscle. So I want to come back to that point one more time. Fasting is a faith building exercise. If you want your faith to be stronger tomorrow than it was today, fast. If you want breakthrough in an area in your life where you've never been able to see breakthrough up until now, if you haven't tried fasting, I'm gonna challenge you to try fasting because it builds your faith muscle and it begins to give, you, you give through fasting, you give more and more control over to God and you say, God, you're in charge, I'm not. Help me to believe Help me to believe. I believe the Father actually responded, yes, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. And that's what fasting does for us. It's, it's, it's kind of a part of the journey to stronger faith, and so I encourage you, I invite you to fast. Make it a part of regular life and see how God will bring you breakthrough as you connect into the vine. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would help us today to understand this secret, really, and it is kind of a secret, because Americans don't, probably don't do this like they do some of the other disciplines. But God, I pray that you would give us the ability, men and women and couples and families and young people and older people in here, God, give us the ability to build this faith muscle and to engage in the spiritual discipline, Jesus, that even you engaged in. God, I pray that we would not think that we're above this. But God, that we would connect into the vine through fasting and through prayer and through all these other spiritual disciplines. And God, that that vital connection would give us the breakthrough that we need. But Father, we don't do it for the breakthrough. We do it because we need you. We do it because we're desperate for you. Like this father was desperate for, the, for his son. God, you, you'll do the rest. Our job is just to connect and you'll do the rest. Help us to have that kind of faith and that kind of response, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.